Yeah. If I die tomorrow, I hope you hear these words. I ain't here to flip no birds or sit no serve. Hope the future generations can get this urge. Stay woke, youngin', and avenge these nerds. Uh. Welcome back to another episode of Nerds with the Rounds, guys. It's your host, Sebastian. And your boy, Tone, from across the hall. We are back and live from Nerd Studio, a.k.a. my house and Tone's house. Yes, <laughs> yes. We are a five-minute walk away from each other as opposed to across the hall, but the name still stays. It will <laughs> always stay, bro. It's not leaving you. So quick announcements before we get into this jam-packed episode because we have some beautiful people in the back ready to talk about WandaVision. In case, uh, you know, before we get into it, Tone, please give them the disclaimer. Ah, uh, yes. And it's my first time since Endgame to do this for a Marvel property. <laughs> we are going full spoilers for episodes one and two of the Disney Plus show WandaVision, which means Tony Stark has died. You've well, been warned. He- he has died. But um, also, too, guys, usually we do announcements in the beginning, like the Medusa's Cascade and Comic Cast. You guys can go into the descriptions below to actually check out all the nerdy stuff going on this week, all the nerdy links, all the people with support. But without further ado, I want to bring out our guest right away so that this way we can start tackling this episode. So first off, I want to give it up to Cosplay Extraordinaire, a.k.a. Teddy Agul and writer Jay Hewer. What's up, guys? What's going on? What's up? What's up? I haven't seen you guys you're in a minute. Me, wait, hold uh, on. Hold you're, you're telling me that Tony Stark is dead? Yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. Didn't know, I didn't oh, know. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know we were spoiling things today. Yeah, uh, yeah. it is what <laughs> it is. We're, 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 a bundle, we're, we're a bundle of joy and spoil territory if, if, if here. You, if you weren't part of the cinematic event that was Endgame in theaters, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it... it uh, when we get into WandaVision, I'm going to share an Endgame story with you guys. <laughs> so, so I want to get into everyone's thoughts of WandaVision. I mean, I want to know how everybody felt. We'll, we'll start with Teddy. You know, go right ahead. Get deep into it, brother. How did you feel about WandaVision? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, um, I was excited for it uh, to the point that I abstain from watching trailers and stuff i'm a big spoiler anti-spoiler guy but um like i I, so i didn't want to watch anything and i was excited for it and what they delivered was far beyond expectations and so i I thoroughly enjoyed i loved all the tropes that they that they did all the easter eggs it was great jay as a writer you know marvel's not afraid to take risks and and that's really what this is. This is a huge risk. It's a huge shot in the dark. I mean, the the audience that they're aiming for is not the I dream of genie audience. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they went there, they hit it, and it, it really blew my mind. I was really happy with the way that it turned out. But the risk, I think, is is the key. Is they just took a risk and it paid off. Yeah, no, I, I definitely gotta agree. It's it's like something they've never never they've never done before. And seeing the fact that all the time and effort they did to hit like these genre TV shows is just like there was so much research done. I loved how you know the in the first episode you get like the Marvel Studios thing, which we haven't seen in a while, and then it turns to black and white, and we go to the four by three ratio, and just everything they did to bring you back to that era of television that some folks just 
don't even know what was about where some of us were probably growing up watching reruns of some of these shows or seeing it on, you know, Nick at night and things like that. So it's really cool seeing it in a 2020, 2020, 21 era with all the technology uh, to visualize it. Well, I just want to give a shout out to Jordan right here. Jordan, what's up? Check out his podcast on YouTube, guys. Real reviews with SOCOM. But um, I like that, you know, we got the reference of Dick Van Dyke and um, Bewitch, and they had Dick Van Dyke on set to help with referencing everything. Like, even um, when Dick Van Dyke kind of trips over in the intro in his show, over under Dick Van Dyke's show, Over the Ottoman, Mm-hmm. You kind of got a nod with that with Vision when he almost, when he's carrying Wanda, trips over the chair, but he stops, but then he faces right through. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah. But they did that earlier when he walks to the door and then Wanda falls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even with that set, the, uh, the foyer um, has that like little step down. And that was like, oh my God, that's, that's Dick Van Dyke right there. And. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I think the the set pieces they changed. So I think yeah, the first one was yeah. Dick Van Dyke. I think the second one was Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I Dream of Genie. So like, and just wondering like what different set pieces they're going to take as they go through these decade genres because they did '50s, '60s, and now with Technicolor, we're seeing the '70s uh, in Episode Three. Now I want to I want to touch up on something. I want I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Was that um, even though before we start getting even some more stuff was the camera work. That you noticed that most of the first and second episode were kind of filmed in that classic sitcom feeling. Um, you got that with the camera work. But then when we got like serious moments, like for example, when Mr. Hart was choking at the table, and that point when Wanda saw the guy in the beekeeper's uniform crawl out of the sewer, the camera work all changed. And kind of gave a different feeling where it got real serious. How did you guys feel about that? Did you notice that in the show? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I deferred. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely picked up on that. And there's like, um, you're watching it in that that framework of the the whole letterbox. And it was still in the letterbox when they they shifted angles. But um, uh, and then when they you saw. Wanda's eyes gazed off as she was like confused and trying to understand where she was, why she was there, and uh, and then it would it, then it did the close up of Mister Hart, um, and it was like the the way it, it it shot that it was like okay now she's starting to become a little bit more conscious and there's there's something going on here. It's not just uh, they're not just ripping on all these uh, 50s and 60s, 70s satires. Yeah, the, the, the camera work definitely like it, it the, the way they hit home on the the old style, the single camera shot, the you know, the three, four wall, however you want to look at it. It, somebody studied this. Somebody sat down. It wasn't just like, oh, let's play play homage to these shows. They studied how the show was put together. That way on something simple, like what's really simple, but yet so complex, like just the change in filming style or the way they would zoom in onto something that's just suddenly of color. You know, subtleties like that, changing the camera work, it just it's impactful in, in a way that just without studying the old styles that they used, you wouldn't notice it. 
And it's probably subtle enough that many people didn't notice it and didn't pick up on it. Well, we're going to tag your tag team partner in this, Jay. Welcome is he to here? the fray. There he is. This oh. is Stevens. <laughs> Let's see if this is working. Can you guys hear me okay? We can yeah. hear you, brother. How, How you doing? doing? Uh, so be warned, this show is filled with spoilers, even though Teddy doesn't like spoiling things. Just <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Well, I made a special so... exception for just, just so I could be here. We're just going to warn you Tony Stark died. <laughs> yeah. As long as Bruce Willis Bruce is Scott. alive, then we're okay. <laughs> well, he did go into a Rite Aid once without a mask. Oh. <laughs> So, Fred, uh, tell us, uh, Francis, how did you feel about the whole WandaVision and everything? We all went around. So tell us how, what was your take on all that, seeing the show and everything. Okay, well, I'll give a preamble first. Did anybody discuss the big gap between the Marvel movies to WandaVision? Because before going in, I'm not going to lie, I had to do kind of a little bit of a recap. Like, hey, didn't Vision die or did he come back? And what was up with Wanda? So that was something that... I personally had to do, even though I loved Endgame, it just, I had to have that refresher going in. And I would imagine for people, it might have been a little jarring. Like, well, what's going on now? And now that all of a sudden they're in the 50s and stuff like that. So that was the first part going into this. Uh, I'm going to say this. I enjoyed it. But I could see how people would be lost by those first two episodes. Like, what's going on? How did they get here? Why all of a sudden are they in the 50s? But I think we've seen this from Marvel excuse me, Marvel story storytelling throughout the years. They're giving us little breadcrumbs. And I thought what was great about the first two episodes is just as a show, you had like the laugh moments from the 50s sitcom and the 60s sitcom, but you would have those little moments that let you know something big is coming down the line. When Vision's boss was choking and you could kind of be like, wait, what's going on here? You know, that's going to be something important. Same thing in the second episode where Wanda, you know, she picks up that, helicopter that has that logo on it and that's the only thing in color you know that that's important you don't know why yet but you know it's important and i think what's going to make me enjoy the series is toward the end it's going to be a big aha so that's what that meant that's what that meant but along the way as long as you're enjoying what's happening you're along for the ride as well I, I like that you came in there with the nuggets and everything because, like, this is one of the first nuggets I want to tackle is August twenty third. I want to get. I want to know what everyone thinks what August twenty third meant to them. <laughs> we'll we'll start with you, Jay. What's August twenty third? August twenty third in uh in um, Wandavision. What was circled on the calendar in the first episode? Oh, the day Mister Hart's coming over. <laughs> was that the, was that the uh, the day Vision died? The, the Mr. Hart. The, was the, was the, that the day Tony Stark died? I mean, there's a significant <laughs> heart. Oh, wait, I'm spoiling everything. Spoil away. <laughs> so, so I do think um, that, that there is significance there. I'm just sitting back. And honestly, I wasn't thinking about it when I was watching it. I wasn't looking at every little detail and saying, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? Because you get lost in a moment when you do that. You get lost in the show. Um Going back the second time, you know, I looked at it and I was like, huh, I wonder what the more so I think less what the date is and more what the, the significance of the heart might be, you know, and why 
Wanda and Vision both kind of seem to forget that day. So to me, that's the day of the the inciting trauma, right? So when you're looking at August 23rd on the calendar, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And again, to Kip's point, I would have to go back and really stare at Endgame because I think Endgame would be the key to that. Is that the day of the snap? Is that, or is that the day, you know, well, the day of the snap is the day Vision died. So I, um, I would go back and if they would put a date on that, I bet it was August 23rd the day her heart was destroyed. So what's what's interesting about that too in regards to the day of the snap is that we know we know some info about the day of the snap is that we know it happened during like a calendar school year because in far from home when they talk about when they talk about it kids are just playing basketball and then they're just like boom gone. You know, and I'm wondering, you know, what these I wonder what Marvel's doing is like they're just throwing in like a bunch of a bunch of little nuggets in there because this is wanda's world that she's created this perfect world that she has and we're getting a lot of these like nuggets and easter eggs for us the viewer and then there's other things in there like the breadcrumbs that kip had said that are like going to be legitimate pieces um you know some of the cameos and some of the signs that we see in the in episode two opener i doubt we're going to see some of those characters um so it's good more for like the key night fans who are like oh they did this or they did that but they're like little things that really mean something and just trying to pick what's you know what's a red herring for us and what's really going to happen down the down the line of the series and jay hash has a question for you <laughs> i know him Listen, Hello, man. i gotta point out the, bl- the backlighting does nothing but hide my my stellar features because if everyone got stuck staring at my mini screen we wouldn't be talking about anything they wouldn't understand what we were talking about because they'd be mesmerized by by my stellar good looks and we really can't have that happening during during the show so i don't want to take away from from seb here i don't, I don't want to take away from teddy Wait. I'll give you the short answer. He wants to be a secret character tonight. That's it. <laughs> I like my answer. Teddy, Teddy what was your thoughts on um, the 23rd, August 23rd? Give me your thoughts on that. Who are we going with? Well, um, the August 23rd date. What oh, was, the, what was the sniffers for you? Um, so I'm not sure about August 23rd because, like we said, the um, the snap most likely occurred uh, uh, during the school year. Like uh, I was looking up and uh, they're, they're estimating around August, I mean, October um, that it, that it happened. But um, um, yeah, I was trying to look up like if it's earth eight, two, three or stuff like that. Didn't really get much anywhere. It talked about uh, Mysterio a lot. Ooh. Talked about Mysterio. Ooh. <laughs> well, they said that there's going to be some stuff leading into Spider-Man after this, so I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, interesting, man. <laughs> that would definitely be it. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's what's going on with the, the series. I think that it's a um, uh, manifestation of, of Wanda, as I think we all do here. But, um, but yeah, I, I couldn't really get anywhere with, with um, 823. Kip? So I'm probably the novice account person in this conversation. So the 823 didn't resonate with me, but speaking to what everybody was just saying, what happened at Endgame and the Infinity War with the snap, that's a huge life moment. And for them to not be acknowledging that, I think is the more important part of this conversation right now. It's almost, and this is just a theory I have, we're in theory corner already, folks. Like, it seems that she's creating this idyllic world. 
she doesn't want to remember the snap. She doesn't want to remember the loss of vision because it was a huge traumatizing event. So for her to just be not acknowledging that something like that happened and for her to think like, why are we forgetting today's day? Like what happened? Like why this is an important date? I think that's going to play into it. I'm not saying that's the day the snap officially happened or not, but I think what we touched upon is the whole lack of memory of something important. That is the bigger breadcrumb, necessar- not necessarily the date. Yeah, because I think there's going to be, to your point, there's going to be a lot with that breadcrumb there. But these were some interesting theories because um, I, I'm going to now jump on my Peppa Sylvia moment. And I'm going <laughs> to thank Tone for introducing me to Peppa Sylvia. It's your fault, Tone. Yeah. Um, it's a great show so, on FX. <laughs> August 23rd, um, someone was like, it can possibly be a nod to the fact that Marvel has done 23 films. But then when you add the fact that it's on August 8th, it's um, a reference to Avengers 238 when Vision regains his consciousness in the comics, which I was like, that would be interesting if that's a reference right there, which is um, going into to Strucker's watch. When you look at the time on that was on the watch in the second episode, the time was on 242, which is a reference to issue 242 when Vision and Wanda rejoined the Avengers. So like you said, there's a lot of little small nuggets and it's like, okay, I gotta be like Alice, I gotta dive down this rabbit hole, figure out what the hell's going on. But um, how did you guys feel about those infomercials and everything that was going on with that? Like what what, what overall aching storyline do you think was going on with these infomercials? What hints did you feel like were being done there? With the Tony Stark toaster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, Tony Stark toaster. Oh, Howard Stark. Oh, I'm sorry. The Stark toaster. All right. It was all Howard. <laughs> it's a Stark. It's a Stark who created Vision, didn't he? I mean, you know, as long as we're inventing things, you know, we got a new invention of a toaster that heats uh, things in the oven like meatloaf. Stark toaster. Stark, Stark toaster. <laughs> the, king, the king of the north of toasters. Oh, wait. Wrong, wrong reference. Wrong Stark. <laughs> a Stark I mean, had that, to do it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would totally buy a toaster that whenever I pressed the thing down and my bread came up, I got the uh, I got the arc reactor down. So I would yeah. totally get one of those. <laughs> and you have you like up on that. Too, and like the, the heart rate monitor. To tell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love but that, I- though. Like, it was just when the toaster was going down, I'm like, that sounds like Iron Man powering up. Yeah. And, and, and that's where we talk about these little breadcrumbs. Like, it's they keep on hinting at, you know, that was such like a big part of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, that sound. It was iconic. And they keep on dropping these little hints, but they aren't talking about the snap at all. And that's yeah. where it's almost like these little things from her memory are just popping up here and there. Stark, the sound, Hydra, like... Wait, wait, wait. Are they Are they memories or are they actions happening? Because... We're all in conjun- We're all we're all in agreement. This is happening inside of her head. I think that's like the the big thing going on there. So when you're dealing with you know brain stuff, brain trauma, you you bring in sounds from the outside world trying to jog her memory, which we've heard. We've heard voices. We've heard people calling her. We've we've seen the footage from the camera at the end of the first uh, the first episode. So who's to say that sound? is a nod that sound could very easily be almost like a shock you mm. know like paddles to the brain trying to shock her out of maybe she's in a coma like and the... that's where we're lost maybe they're trying to to revive her in some sense because she's 
you know, would we, knowing the comics like we know them, would we be surprised if suddenly we get a view of the outside world and there's a giant, massive apocalyptic, uh, apocalyptic event happening because she's losing her mind and taking that on the world while her perfect brain is, uh, this is me literally talking off the cuff. No, it makes no, sense no, what no, you're pretty, saying because yeah. Brian Michael Bendis and other people were already referenced as a thank you in yeah. the actual credits, not the fake credits, the actual credits. And one of the creators that was thanked was behind Avengers Disassembled, which if everyone remember, Avengers Disassembled yes. was the storyline that she was going mad and actually even killed Hawkeye in that in that storyline. Oh, poor Hawkeye. <laughs> He was not missed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on record saying that. <laughs> but, but um, uh, oh. go, ahead. go ahead, Tony. No, I was just saying, like, but to your to everyone's point of like bringing things, bringing things in from the real world that she's dealing with, she's clearly trying to build this perfect world. Like you may notice, I don't know if, you, if anyone caught it. Like when Vision goes into the kitchen and the plate goes against his head and it breaks, she's like, "Oh, my husband with his indestructible head." Yeah, that didn't work in. Hold on. More, more importantly than that, all right. You want you want to play the whole thing now. Throughout that whole first episode, the most telling thing was the idea, and this goes to the plate, so just give me a second to get to that, but she she's literally hanging on by a thread. Everything's going crazy. Everything's falling apart. Her perfect world, the boss, the wife, everything's going wrong, and she's fractured like the plate. So, so you're dealing with her trying her best to keep the world perfect, and like as she's losing control, the world literally starts shaking. Yeah, but the plate at the beginning to go right back to that, she shatters it. It's fractured. It's broken. And what does she do? She pieces it right back together. She yeah. pulls it all together back into its perfect world. Yeah, yeah. And even in that first episode, uh, Mister Hart is uh, um, yelling and screaming at her uh, at the them like, "There's so much chaos in this house." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mister Hart was a which again. Um, we got to give a shout out to. It was a uh, Fred Malin who played Arthur Hart, which is a possible nod to Steve um, Englehart, who was the creator, uh, one of the creators behind the 1985 Vision and Wanda limited series, which um, this show is also based off of. And each actor, um, each role that they play, which we have Catherine Hine, who's Agnes, it's hinted to be Agatha Harkness. Mm -hmm. um, ta um, Tony Paris, who came, Tanya Paris, who came in episode two, which is. Monica Rembrew, who we all remember, Monica Rembrew was in Captain Marvel as um, as a little girl when we last saw her, um, and even like the character who played Dave, um, was it Dave? No, no, no. It was yeah, Dave, possible Herbert Wyndham. Uh, um, yeah, David um, Payton, who played Herb, who's a possible um, nod to Herbert Edgar Wyndham, who was the High Evolutionary. So like each actor, from what I saw, is like there's a little thing about their characters that's a little not i mean do you guys think we're going to see more of that as we get introduced to more characters with the way how marvel is explaining this i think we are i mean uh i don't know how true it is but apparently we may just get a surprise actor of evan peters uh potentially showing up in wandavision and maybe being maybe being his version of uh pietro which would be really fascinating because, and this kind of got leaked because his Spanish actor said he's doing his voice. 
in WandaVision. Uh, so, it, it, and I didn't even know that was a rumor until like today, like just kind of looking stuff up before we went on air, uh, which I think will be really fascinating if they start connecting those dots of different characters, especially they're bringing in like the Fox, the Fox X-Men character and kind of using him um, as the Pietro maybe, or using him, you know, as like maybe her kid or something. I'm not sure how they're going to bring him in uh, or a manifestation of her brother who she lost. So it'll be, it'll be interesting in how they, on how they do that. Kip. So everything that you said, it's fascinating. And I got to give credit to Jay, the writer of the group talking about <laughs> like the, the plate shattering and that's your world coming apart. Like that's extra deep stuff. I mean, my big thing is, and said that was amazing research and amazing background. Do you think that a lot of this stuff will go over the casual viewer's head? I'm going to throw that question out to everybody else because oh. somebody like, because somebody like me, like I, I'm going to, I'm all in on Marvel and I have like, a, I remember house of M and I remember Avengers disassembled to a point. I understand Wanda's powerful, but I don't know how powerful. And I'm hoping that this series will really illuminate that. But you're talking about like these little references to like a comic book series that happened in the 80s and things like that. Do you think that these little nuggets are going to go over too many people's head and it's going to lose people along the way? In my person, because I think they're mixing from all the way to the 80s to now. Because um, the story also follows the Vision storyline, which they did in 2016, where Vision created his own family, like a picture-perfect family, which is also referenced in the credits when you see uh, Grim Reaper's, uh, in the intro in the second episode, you see Grim Reaper's um, bones and his helmet buried in the, when Vision goes to the floor, because yeah, he, he gets killed yeah. by his wife in that series. Um, I think what they're doing is that as we get each episode, the casual fan is going to learn more about the character. But all these Easter eggs, I think, is keeping fans who see who know about the character and everything. Because like when we because I was sold on the second episode, the minute that she did that whole thing where she rewound time when the guy came out with the beekeeper uniform, and then she's like, No, this is not right, and rewound. I was like, Oh, she's in full control. And <laughs> She's going nuts <laughs> right now. All right. So the big, go ahead. I was going to say, because the big thing Tony mentioned was about Quicksilver. Now, I remember Wanda and Quicksilver having a very tight relationship from the comics, but I don't think the Marvel Cinematic Universe really keyed in on how intense that relationship is. Uh, so the question then, too, is let's just say Quicksilver does make an appearance. Is that going to resonate with the majority of people watching all right i promised the story i'm not <laughs> I, I did i did because the story is so relevant to everything kip's saying because kip kip's bringing up a fantastic point and i think it's the core problem with the show at this point not that you know said you also pointed out it took you till the end of the second episode to be all in now i i i when Endgame came out, I saw Endgame quite a few times in theaters. And one of my crowning moments was my oldest daughter. <laughs> this, this is the horrible part. She broke her arm. And I had to take her. Like, we took a day off of school. I had to take her to the doctor. I'm like, let's go see Endgame. So that was selfish of me because I was going to take her to see her first ever Marvel movie. Now, the whole point of this is she had no idea what was going on. She literally sat there. And she enjoyed her time because, you know, we got to spend time together, but we left that movie. I'm like, what'd you think? She's like, 
I, it, I didn't like it. I'm like, what? That's I can understand it because she didn't know any. She really needed to at least watch Infinity War. And even then she would still have trouble following along. So that brings us here where we're at with WandaVision. Mm -hmm. The first episode jumps into this old, you know, 60s television show it was the 60s, 50s, wherever we're at an old style television show. But never in the episode did they actually give the casual viewer a new viewer. Think about it. This is Disney Plus's mm -hmm. very first go at Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you have an automatic audience in us, the people who have followed the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then you have the COVID audience, this audience that's craving new material and has not seen movies in a long time, hasn't seen a Marvel movie, hasn't seen anything. And this is, you know, new to Disney Plus. This is their first view for a lot of people, their first intro into the Marvel Universe. They don't know who these characters are. And nowhere in the episode did they give you an introduction to who these characters actually are. And that, to me, is a major flaw because if you don't know, I mean, when you think about any, any movie, any television show, they start out with a big bang, like a big hook. This show's hook was nostalgia for an audience that's not 12 and 13 years old. The 12 and 13-year-old yeah. audience is turning off the channel the second it's black and white. <laughs> They're not going to give it till the end of the second episode when the beekeeper comes out and all of a sudden everything goes in color. That's not, that's not the audience that's going to be watching this show. But in there, if they had gotten to know, oh, you know, this, this woman Wanda is, is a witch who has this massive power. Even if they had given a 30-second recap of the end where Vision gets his, like, skull ripped open by Thanos, and then they snap, like, mirroring the Thanos snap, and now you're in Wanda's universe, you have an introduction to who these characters are. I think um, because I get your point, both of the points, but I think what Marvel did with that before the episode was launched, they released a series. It's a mini series called Aven um, Marvel Legends. Which so, I didn't watch. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> a lot of people missed it, which is something yeah. they need to advertise more because the first two episodes for Legends, each episode was eight minutes. The first episode recapping everything about the Scarlet Witch recapping the next episode recapping everything about vision that's happened from the beginning to the end in their introduction into the mcu so those so anyone who's listening if they're confused with the characters i would recommend to definitely double check and watch marvel legends yeah um they told a great story in eight minutes than what the than what um dc did in batman versus superman in my opinion <laughs> and that's not a pop shot. <laughs> but uh you know, you know to, to, to jay's point you know with you know the COVID audience and like this being Marvel first foray into into Disney Plus, their first show was supposed to be Winter Soldier and Falcon, which would have given you know any casual viewer kind of the basic understanding of what was going on, just because we kind of know what the Falcon and Winter Soldier is about. Versus WandaVision is like one of these things where Marvel, I think, at this point in this cinematic. Uh, universe has decided to throw out the fact that you you need to know what's going on and we're not gonna spoon feed you information mm -hmm. uh which is kind of why endgame worked and why infinity war works because we all knew and you've got 10 years of content to build up and to and to do that um but you know to, to your story jay when your daughter hasn't watched the movies it's kind of mm -hmm. like what the hell was this 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 orgy <laughs> fest of action was like i don't i don't get it um so yeah right. i you know, it's just yeah. The choice you have was, to remember 
like and, and it's like you know creating 101 yeah something's everything somebody's first you know i think that's yeah. a stanley line everything is somebody's yeah. first and this is somebody's first foray into the marvel cinematic universe and they did a good job with the 616 but i don't know many people that are going to be like oh let me just watch that first i think a lot of people new, especially new viewers as sad as it is to say because it's a fantastic show they're going to be turned off but i will say this to their credit they definitely threw us into the deep end but I'm intrigued and I'm going to stay along for the whole ride. Not just because oh, I'm too. a completist, <laughs> but like they did enough where I was still laughing at the gags. I was still yeah. seeing the little bit of progression from the fifties, Dick Van Dyke era to the sixties bewitched era. And now we're going to the color seventies, probably Brady bunch era. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see like you're, you're getting enough, but like I said, I, I agree that they definitely threw us into the deep end. Uh, Seb, we got to put you on the Disney payroll because <laughs> I had no I'll idea. Take Disney about, money. Yeah, why the heck not? At least some stock options because <laughs> you right there have me intrigued to watch this legend show. And that's what I think is great about Marvel at times is that even though like I'll put myself on the casual side, if there's something I'm not sure about, I'll want to research it a little bit. And right there with Disney plus, I have something that I didn't know that that's awesome. And I hope that more people take advantage of that. Cause then I think that's going to, you can enjoy it just on the base level. I feel like, but I also feel like once you get a little bit more like, Oh, that's right. That's what happened with vision. Oh, wow. Like I didn't know how awesome Wanda was. You're going to be even more hooked. So that's where I think it's a kind of a cool dichotomy of what they did and what they can do with this. And I, yeah, what's going on about the uh, um, that legend show is uh, um, like I, I've been saying that I'm an anti-spoiler guy, so I waited till <laughs> after I watched uh, WandaVision, the first two episodes, to watch it because I knew it was about Wanda and Vision. Um, so because like I was worried about like if there's going to be behind the scenes stuff where the, the characters are going, you know, this and that I watched legends and it was basically a WWE promo package for the paper. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, now we're getting my language. What, what was it, this? Now? It told you everything you, that already happened. Um, the progression of the characters <laughs> you <laughs> set you up for the main event. <laughs> you 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 oh labeled it God. perfectly, Teddy. Aurelis, <laughs> Mr. Elgato, you got a question. Do you think that they're introducing the Mojo introducing Mojo World once we get the X-Men? Possibly, depending on when we get the X-Men, but um you just start something with this because when we got the introduction for Sword, so I'm gonna explain to everyone what Sword is in the comics. Sword is a an offshoot of shield which stands for sentient world observation and response department but for the mcu they're known as the sentient weapon observation response division the history behind sword how they were introduced in the comics they were introduced in a in the astonishing x-men one from josh whedon and cassidy so do you guys think that this is just by that introducing sword do you think that this is a backdoor with opening up for introduction city x-men and we will start with Teddy because you 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 got lost in that Royal Rumble earlier, brother. <laughs> uh, this whole this whole uh, Wandavision, all I'm waiting for is just to have her say, "There shall be mutants." 
sort of a spin on uh, the House of M um, that that she said there there shall be no more mutants, no new, new mutants. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I definitely think that it's um, they're j- going to try to work something in. They already they already have with uh, the Grim Reaper um, um, uh, helmet and um, and Agnes and um, a couple of the other stuff. So, so I think so. Hope so, anyway. Francis? Yeah, I kind of feel going into this that the end result is going to be bring a mutant since the MCU. I, I think this would be the great way to do it because, again, like you have this huge platform with Disney+. Plus. I have a feeling it's leading there. My asinine theory was I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Magneto is the first mutant introduced because of his ties to Wanda. Mm -hmm. And maybe the voice reaching out is the father looking for the daughter. Like, that could be something interesting. Now, again, this is totally out of left field. It probably makes no sense to everybody because, you know, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I could see something like Magneto being the first mutant introduced because Wanda needs somebody, a connection to somebody, her brother or her father. That's just kind of where I see this going. Uh, it'd be awesome. It's going to Teddy's uh, theory of like, we need mutants the last thing. And then that's how the series ends. That'd be, I mean, I'd be hooked. Uh, but I, I honestly feel like this is, you're, we're planting the seeds to get the mutants in the MCU. Why, why Magneto? Why I'm not gonna, Professor gonna... Xavier? I mean, Professor X would be the guy. Again, you got to go back. This is her head. This is her vision. This is her dream vision. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is in her brain. Well, which mutant is going to be the one? We bring in Charles Xavier and he's going to be, you know, I can see him standing over her, his hands out, you know, trying to draw and piece her brain back together again. Maybe maybe Um, that's Cerebro trying to get, like he's in Cerebro right now trying to reach her. And that's the voices she's hearing. It's, Xavier reaching out through Cerebro. I mean, oh, Jocasta. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Sorry, you but Xavier, but Xavier and Magneto are friends, and and I think you, both you, Kip and Teddy, are on to some great points. Uh, so so with the whole sword thing, I kind of went a different direction because I was kind of uh, you know, thinking back to the post credit scene and in, in uh, Spider Man, uh, and where the scrolls are at and how it's theorize that that could be a sword operations base and if that has something to do uh with the sword connection here in wandavision um and also you know here like i'm trying to figure out who's a part of sword so is monica rambeau a part of sword and got involved with sword because her mother um (laughs) well Uh, be, you know, because her mom knows Captain Marvel, right? Like, did she become a part of that? And also, we also hear in the in in the the radio that's calling to her, apparently from from you know external research from other people, not myself. Uh, <laughs> we hear the voice of Randall Park, who is Jimmy Woo, who is the who's an Ant Man and the Wasp. So is he an operative of Sword? And because Sword is more about weapons, was he focused on 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 Ant Man because of? of the pin particles and are those weapons. And so were they the ones kind of keeping track of all that? So kind of see like this uh, direction of like, is it mutants? Is it more so akin to what Nick Fury and the Skrulls are doing and how Monica Rambeau is involved? Just, you know, like it's all tossed up in the air. <laughs> well, at what point did S.W.O.R.D. become a space force? 
Because I, I believe that that became a thing, right? It was they, originally in the comics. They were the interstellar version of Shield. Yes. But they repur it sounds like they repurposed them <laughs> for the show because they're now called the Sentient Weapon Observation and Response Division. Being that they're now looking at living weapons, they rebranded. Yeah, they rebranded. They changed their image. <laughs> yeah, they rebranded. That's what they did. They, they, they pulled a cut co. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, I wanted to, and this is what I want to throw in there too. Again, with mutants, because the bottle of wine, I think, even played a significance because it was translated. I, I'm not going to even say what the name of the bottle of wine was because I cannot pronounce it for the life of me. And Tony knows I can't pronounce shit. Um, but it, the it's translation true. for the bottle is House of Misery, which can be a possible reference for House of M, which I feel, again, we are getting this lead into mutants when it comes to that. But, uh, and I just, there's, a, there's just so much to cover. I mean, did you guys notice the different, because um, they introduced S.W.O.R.D., three times with the beekeeper but um someone pointed out something interesting since it was like a beekeeper outfit do you think that that's also an introduction to aim since that's what they look like in the comics um we'll start with you jay i could see that that was actually where my mind had gone when the beekeeper came out um that just pulled up aim right there which again supports like the whole deeper sword hydra connections to to everything going in an expanded you know, expanding the universe, because I think that's coming no matter which way this show goes, mutants, more factions. I, I see that going in that direction. But the first, my first instinct with the beekeeper was aim. Kip. Not going to lie. The beekeeper thing went totally over my head. For me, the more significant thing was like you mentioned where she's like, no, this is not right. And went backwards in time. So that's, and again, that's where, as a viewer, I'm interested to see what the speedkeeper thing means. So I appreciate the explanation from Jay. And like, if anybody wants to throw more insight into that, I'm all for it. Um, the one thing I will say to touch on everyone's point too, and, and this is going to go, Teddy's going to love this. There's a <laughs> WWE writer who does a podcast. Uh, his name is Kazim. And he always says like, WWE will put things like pretty much in plain sight for you. Like, and to let you know that something is coming. And that's where I think that wine bottle played significance. Like, it's almost like they, and they deliberately, if they didn't want that in the trailer, it wouldn't have been in the trailer. But I think they put it in there to get this chat group, you know, pardon the phrase, boned up for what's coming at the end of it. But if anybody wants to add to the beekeeper, please, like, what else do you guys think about it? Because I want to be educated as much as possible because I know that's significant, but I don't know why. Teddy, tagging you in now. Yeah, I don't have much to add for. Sorry, <laughs> it's uh, all good. Out of my realm a little bit. <laughs> but um, I again, I want to touch up on again. We had the in the intro. Yeah, I love you, Jero. What's up, brother? Make sure you guys go check out Comic Cast. They have a dope show comes out every Sundays in in lead. He gets to oh let it out. Gerald gets to draw with um, awesome artists. But um, I wanted to touch up on the song that was playing, which was the, Be which was the Beach Boys, um, Help Me Rhonda. Mm -hmm. And I want to read you guys the lyrics. And I want you, the lyrics that were specifically playing or are linked in the song is, um, she was going to be my wife 
and I was going to be her man, but she let another guy come between us and it shattered our plans. What do you guys think that that was in reference to him? Because again, I feel like everything's chosen for a reason and I have my theory on that. Thanos being the stolen out of Vision's head. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the only I, man that got between her and him. <laughs> and shattered. I mean, <laughs> even, even the name, it sounds Rhonda, Wanda, sounds pretty similar too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. I but think I, we're all in agreement with that. Unless you want to say it was Cap because Cap called him to duty. Well, speaking Don't of sour cap, caps, Neil, right. what is wrong it's with you? Speaking of cap, but I mean, you all hit it right there. It's like, yeah, Daniel's got in the way. He was like, yo, smack that. But no, to, to Kip, you're, you're right. There, there are some references to cap in here. Um, if you notice in the beginning, did anyone catch the real estate sign that first, the real estate sign in the first episode had a 732 area code? Yeah, Jersey. Second episode, when they're like, "Oh yeah, the guy got the the um, trophies in Hackensack." So, because again, I'm Pepe Sylvia. This um, <laughs> <laughs> the base where Captain America, which was confirmed and went to Soldier, is stationed in New Jersey, which was um, what was it? It was called the God damn it, that was um, Lehigh, right? Camp or, Lehigh. Yeah, yeah, it was Lehigh. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, how did you guys feel about that little reference right there? That little nod. I kind of went there. Maybe it'll expand on something later on. But uh, for now, it's just, yeah, that's Jersey. This is Jersey. I so, just took that one in stride. I was just like, yeah, that's a nice little nod to uh, the base. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then, then I'm going to throw something else at you guys. Who do you think Ralph is? Kip? <laughs> Who's this Ralph for Ag- Agnes, her husband? <laughs> and that's like the million dollar question right there. I, for, when you said who's Ralph, I'm like, I have no idea. But obviously that's going to be somebody important. Now, going to more theories, though, Agnes is somebody important in the whole Wanda vision story. But I'm not the expert on it. I'm going to throw it to the floor. Explain who we think Agnes could be first. And then maybe that can give us a clue to who Ralph could be. Well, I got to tell you, with Ralph, I went to the Honeymooners. <laughs> that's, that's Every time she said Ralph, my mind went straight to the Honeymooners because that, that was the way she said it, the tone she – I was just like, ooh. That, that's, oh, you're, you're right. It, it was. And just bang. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly – and that's that's where my mind went. She's just like, you know, hey, Ralph. I'm, I'm like, oh, I can't even do it because – No, I was – that was straight honeymooners reference right there. It, it felt that way to me. So I couldn't, I, I had a hard time getting past the honeymooners on that as, as <laughs> bad as it is. Every time she said it, I'm just like, that's so amazing. What a, what a wonderful nod to a show that nobody watches anymore, except on new year's Eve. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Agnes though. That's a, that's a whole different story. I don't know who Agnes is. I got nothing. I think so. Was- one thing with, um with Agnes though, is that she references the date June 2nd. And June 2nd is the uh, um, the date of the first indictment for the Salem witch trials. So there is a good there is a chance that she is, in fact, a witch. Tone, you want to take that one? Uh, I've got uh, who Ralph is, and that's what I'm thinking based off what I've been reading. If you want to take who we believe Agnes is. OK, so Agnes, um, I mean, Pete. 
All right, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Spoiler. He pulled the Tony Stark. We're all dancing around this subject. He just goes for it. The only one to answer the direct direct question here. He answered it for us. We all think it's Agatha, and we think that Ralph is Mephisto, and that is the reason why she's subconsciously trying to get Wanda pregnant. So you uh, the twins as his uh, for him for his soul, or as a uh, one of the videos I watched, Screen Crush, his Huckruxes, Huckruxes, <laughs> fucking Voldemort. That's what he now is. Now we're Harry Pottering this. I thought this was about Wanda. <laughs> uh, yeah, where's Dumbledore? There he goes. No slow booking here. Yeah, people know a lot about booking, bro. Uh, um, but no, it's like Ag- um, Agnes is Agna- Ag- Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that five times fast. They go, if you notice her brooch on her necklace, um, her brooch, it could be the symbol of Hecate, which again is a who riches and all that praise. So we're not going to get into all that, but you know, but Ralph can be a code name for Mephisto, who we know is the devil in Marvel. Um, and at the end of episode two, we now see Wanda pregnant, which, um, one of the cool theories that people were pointing out was that there was a lot of twin representation in the show to kind of, um, how do you say that foreshadow that she's going to have twins. Like for example, the two lobsters, Mm -hmm. the two loaves of bread and going back to that Tony Stark toaster, Tony Stark in the MCU, we know breathed life into the body of vision by transferring Jarvis into the body of vision. Hence, and then the two slices of toast, hence the twins and all that breathing life, um, the two beds. And um, the other thing was the, what was it? The furniture in two. So how do you guys feel about that being kind of like a whole um, slow burn, like how Pete would put it, slow burn to the book in here. We'll start with you, Jay. Um, It's definitely something that, it's one of those moments that Kip was saying before, you know, it, it's something to look back on. If she, if it proves that she does have twins, then yeah, that's definitely all put out there. Like almost an in your face type of type of moment. Um, and it's super subtle. So I, I like the thinking there. Um, you know, the twin beds becoming one bed. That's, that's its own, its own little thing. <laughs> Teddy. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, like you said, with the the toast, it's it may be bread uh, and toast, but it's also like having two buns in the oven. (laughs) (laughs) I like the play in words. (laughs) Very true. Kip, I want you to nosedive into this being, you know, throwing this all out there at you. Throwing you the Hail Mary pass. Come on, give me your thoughts on that theory and everything and finding out about her twins. So I think that Marvel, nothing is just like casually done. I think everything is a deliberate decision. Mm-hmm. So I'm buying into that two loaves of bread thing. Bring on two loaves of bread, bring on two babies. And and wasn't Wanda and Quicksilver twins also? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Like, if he makes an appearance, we're going back to the two things. Maybe that's also foreshadowing him coming back as well. I, I think that when they were putting the show together like nothing was left to chance i think they were like we can like why why is it just be one no let's make it two let's drop these little things i think everything has been a deliberate decision and that's why i'm excited to see how the show progresses and 
you know, culminates because every little thing is going to be like, oh my God, how could we, how did we not see this coming? Which is, I think, a really great work of writing right there. Yeah. Now, what if, Can what I if pick up on that? Uh, Go ahead. Just to, to follow up on your, how deliberate everything is in the show, all the references and the writing, just everything Agnes says is very deliberately worded. She says, oh, it'll be done in a snap which can be taken and interpreted as Thanos' snap. Uh, she says, she gives her the recipes and the, the cooking um, utensils, right? And says, um, the devil's in the details. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then um, uh, talking about like uh, glamorous magazine and glamour. Um, that's not just like a beauty thing. That's uh, supposed to be a, a charm. Oh, she, she even said uh, when she introduced herself, she said charmed. You know, so but yeah, glamour is um, like a uh, a spell caster or something. <laughs> what what if it wasn't twins? What if the the doubles that we're looking at is less uh, twin children and instead twin worlds? That's another thing they they they're talking about that the show because the next movie is coming out. Um, yep. that's going to deal with the multiverse is Spider Man three. And Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. And they've already said that WandaVision is going to kind of open this up for the multiverse. And Doctor Strange is supposedly <laughs> confirmed to be appearing in this show? Um, uh, not confirmed, but she is confirmed to be in the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. What was that, Pete? Many times as Wanda needs to be told to do things such as the triggers. Yep. She has a lot of triggers in the show. And it's like you can see when, when she just like pauses and everything, especially like... Did you guys notice the one of the triggers when um, Dottie cut her hand, and then you mm. just saw the blood, and it was that was emphasized as red, and then yeah. just everything that was going on there in that scene. Yeah, what was your guys' overall there too? But you know, but, but you know, thinking, you know, Steve, that's what you're saying. Everyone saying with triggers and stuff. Just she's doing everything she can, like, to keep this world intact. You know, when Mister Hart's dying, and like she pretty much breaks character. And talks to the vision for talks to vision for him to do his neo thing to pull the piece of you know meat out or when they're at the magic show and she sees vision you know with the gum inside of him just kind of going about with his magic and she's just like i need to keep this world together otherwise it's going to fall apart so like yeah just everything is triggering her to realize i'm in control i don't want to lose it because this is like her paradise because the person she loves is here and not wanting to lose that or just come to terms with the fact that vision is gone. Yeah, Pete's pointing out to this whole thing says that she has a substantial amount of control, such as rewinding time when the beekeeper rise, but many times she needs to be, to, she needs to be told to do things such as stop, such as stop the choking, the wife, which kept telling him to stop it and repeating it directly in her face. Um, so yeah, no, that was, again, those moments too were filmed differently from how the episode was being filmed entirely, which I thought was really cool because it just gave that moment of seriousness. Now I want to ask that everyone notice the mind stone on the, um, on the, the magic box that people were just, that, um, you know, they were going to use for the magic show. Did you guys notice that? Um, who wants to take that first, please jump in. Yeah, definitely. And I think there was another part where I, I don't know if it was in one of the advertisements or just something in the sky and it had like the six stars around it. Mm. And that would seem like a little. That was the intro. The intro. Yeah, it had the moon and then it goes bling, 
blink, blink, blink. Yep. And it had yeah. the uh, Infinity Stones. Yeah, and again, like, very deliberate right there. Great, great job, Marvel. But just that, <laughs> and then putting the stone right there on the cabinet, like, it, that was obviously done for a reason. And I, and I absolutely loved it, and I was glad I caught that, too. Jay, jump right in. I, I just love the magic scene. I mean that that whole that whole <laughs> bit going through just it, it just had me on the ground rolling. I mean it, the stones there, you know, again those little nods, but the bewitch, the I dream of genie, just be like, haha, it's really <laughs> happening. But it, it, it's it I'm, just it brings me back to you know reruns on Channel Eleven when I'm growing up. You know, I loved how much they committed to you know Nick at Night or TV Land uh, reruns and just. Um, like, like Bewitched and um, I Dream of Genie, like you said, and Dick Van Dyke so far. And we got more um, satires and uh, parodies to come. Um, but like the, the intros of um, the second episode all in cartoon and clearly referencing um, Bewitched. And um, the even even the, the cadence that uh, Wanda has, it's like a 1960s housewife. Um, that you would see on a sitcom and the way she has that pratfall into Hart's arms of just that whoosh back with <laughs> her arms. And I was like, oh my God, I can see Meredith Talibor doing that. <laughs> so the big question I have for everybody, and you touched upon something really great here, Teddy, uh, and I don't want to age us, but it seems like we're all above the age of 30. Is that fair to say? I try to yeah. hide my age. Well, I but, try to hide it all the time. Yeah. So, so here's something that I think we all agree with. Like we we grew up with Nick at Night, and when they would have like the Dick Van Dyke show on and Bewitched, mm -hmm. and you know, sitcoms of that nature. Yeah. Now, now the Marvel Cinematic Universe, though, it's been around for about ten years. So the mm -hmm. people growing up with it are probably you know in their teens to early twenties. Do you think these little 60s and 50s sitcom bits and the Nick at Night nostalgia that we have, you think that's resonating with a younger audience? That's going to be interesting to see because um, I know that's definitely something catering to a lot of the older audience. Um, I think with the younger audience, it's going to be more about the storytelling. And I mean, I'm not going to try to, like, you know, um, say that younger people. Uh, don't like you know because there's a lot of content out there, but I feel like when more and more episodes come out, or when they they like you know if someone who's a fan of the character has read it and all that, they'll probably be interested in seeing it. Plus, also too, I think it's interesting because um, it goes back to how it's filmed. So if like if you're a person who's a fan of film, you're gonna look at the different ways they film stuff in the show, which again, it's to me. I think it's great the choices that they've made. You have that classic, like when they're doing the whole cheesy sitcom that we all know and love, they're filming in that, um, like it, it, just like that. But then when they get to the really serious tones, then it's all of a sudden the camera work changes, the overall tone changes, the, the, the way the lighting changes, just that overall feeling. You don't have those laugh tracks anymore. Then it's like when you get the moments of introduction of color, like the, the toaster, when you look at the toaster, um, the red light is blinking. When you look at the helicopter, you had the red and the yellow. When you look at the blood, and it's like, I think as far as it goes, being fans of like the old stuff, I don't think that'll capture the younger people, but I think it's more of just the storytelling aspects of like, okay, what's going on here? This is weird. This is, this is, you know, okay, this is interesting. And that's why I think they also released both episodes was to catch people. 
Because like I said before, yeah. my catch was the end of that second episode. I was like, oh, okay, this is why you released two back-to-back. I got you. Yeah. As I said earlier, I think if this is someone's first go at the Marvel Universe, they will be turned off. Um, but Marvel has spent the better part of a decade training or retraining an audience how to watch movies, how to view um, more serialized storytelling across like many many movies and to be patient with things so if you're a fan already i think they'll they'll stick with it um i think for a lot of these i'll say kids because that's <laughs> that's who we're kind of talking about uh, at this point i think they're going to look at this the the way this is filmed and the way the stories are being told and they're going to be blown away by film filming styles that they haven't seen ever and to them it's all brand new to, to us, we've seen this. We know exactly where this, you know, it's a one camera film. We know that it's simply on a tripod, just standing right there until something intense happens. And then when that intensity happens, it goes to almost like a handheld cam and they bring it in like a more of a tight shot and a more almost like, you know, the Dutch tilt, you know, something along those lines. How wild was that back in the, the 60s Batman? So they're seeing things here that, they've never seen and they're, they're probably like wow this is some amazing camera work this is some amazing filming and people like us who have studied this stuff are, are just like dude they're just copying something from <laughs> nick at night <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so i think i think the patience of the marvel audience is going to do well to to have those little nods those little things like you know, not everyone's picking up on those those deep cut references, but everyone's picking up on a Tony Stark helicopter sitting in a bush and trying to figure out why it's there and why it's in color, more specifically. Um, why why the blood? Why is that in color? Uh, the blinking the blinking dot again. You know, if you want to go with the two worlds or or the buns in the oven, as Teddy so kindly put it. Um, I think the Marvel audience is patient enough to know there's something deeper going on here, and you have to stick with it to find out. I also think that the attention span of a child is like five minutes. So releasing one episode a week is smart. Mm -hmm. We we don't get the binge watch age anymore. No, <laughs> there's, there's, there's and these episodes are like 23 minutes long, which with fucking 10 minute long uh, uh, credits with no stinger. <laughs> oh, like, Marvel's got me trained. I'm running through all these credits expecting to watch something. I'm like, come on, it's been like 20 minutes and like it's a 35 minute show. Like, what is this? Uh, <laughs> You know, but so like you know, the point of of the youngins, I guess, of what we're doing. Uh, I, I feel I feel like a lot of people now, kids, teenagers, young adults, are really appreciative of how things are made, and I think the creative process of how the first two episodes was super like top notch and paid a lot of homage to what we did in the past. They filmed in front of a live studio audience, and. Uh, you know, they mentioned that they were very nervous about it. So I thought that was really cool. And it wasn't just kind of added in there for cheesy effect. They really did it. And then the practical effects they used for Wanda and her magic and moving all the props around, that was all puppetry, pu puppeteer work. Right. It wasn't like CGI or anything like that. So like, yeah, this may not be what you're used to in television, but like seeing it for, you know, Jay, what you had said and like seeing something in a way you've never seen before. But then also going, you know, looking and be like, holy shit, like they made this, to make it feel and it wasn't just a cop out to add some sort of audio or to add some CGI. Like they really put the work in to make you feel in there. I oh yeah. And then appreciate that. Teddy go. Yeah. And then um 
the uh, the only the the big use of CGI was when they they broke that uh, that fourth wall and uh, um, Vi- uh, Vision you know did that tracheotomy on um, on Mister Hart there to remove the uh, <laughs> the piece of meat or the the, the neo move. Listen, he he did his thing, but um, before I because I got one more question for you guys before we close up, I want to go um over some quick stuff real quick too, which again goes back to the introduction in part two in episode two, which um when we were in the supermarket, there were three ads in the supermarket. One was Wonder Oats, which was a reference to Wonder Man who in the comics was his consciousness, his consciousness was a vision, Scarlet Witch's first love. We had a reference to Bova Milk, which was Bova the bovine, who raised Wanda and Pietro on Wendigore Mountain, which again, we had the high evolutionary reference. And then um, Agnes's cat um, was referenced um, because Agnes Harkness has a cat named Ebony. That was also referenced to that scene. But what sitcoms would you guys like to see them tackle if um you know you had a, if you had to pick for WandaVision? Um we'll start with Teddy. I definitely want to see where the, the whole Agatha story arc is going. I think that they set that up uh, um pretty clearly, well, to the um to the initiated anyway. Um but uh I, I I'm pretty excited to see to explore where that is going. Well, what sitcom? What sitcom would you like to oh, see them oh, tackle? I'm sorry. I <laughs> no, no, it's cool. It's cool. I was I, I was letting you run I, with it, bro, because that was cool. I like. I want to know that too. <laughs> what yeah. sitcom would you like to see them tackle? Like in what era? Um. Well, I guess if we're sticking to the '60s and '70s, I, I think we're going to be seeing the Brady Bunch pretty soon. Um. But you know, what would be really um just out of left field is to see something based on the monkeys <laughs> have like just break into song. We're going to have kids. <laughs> Jay, which one would you pick? Well, I wasn't sticking with the sixties and seventies. So I, I was going with either um, different strokes Ooh. or Alf. Alf would be funny. <laughs> going okay. straight to the eighties. Oh, you, you know who we got us off with have rocket make an appearance. He plays. Hey, Alf. <laughs> Yeah, now you're catching on. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be funny. Oh yeah, so I think for the 80s, I was going to say, was it Family Ties, the one that Michael J. Fox was on, or maybe Growing Pains? Those were the two I was thinking of for the 80s. For the 90s, I think it'd be funny if you saw them in, like, the Friends set, you know, with the two apartments. <laughs> now they're apartment living in New York City. Again, closer to uh, where the home base was for the Avengers headquarters, things like that. But I mean, any more of a machine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're Wanda's drinking out of a Central Perk mug. I mean, I think I'm getting kicked out of that. <laughs> Just recreate and have the friends cast come in too. There yeah, we go. Tone, what what what's it come? Would you like to see them tackle? Uh, so I was thinking Alf just because of, you know, trying to hide vision and what he's, do- what he's doing and trying to go out there in everyday life, but also kind of, uh, diving in to the, to the nosy neighbor and using some sort of like, maybe like home improvement or something like that. Cause you know, really diving into Agatha, just kind of really just forcing yourself into, into Wanda's life. You know, the nosy neighbor, you'd have to go with, um, oh my, just, just family matters. I mean, there's so many Ooh. too. I mean, there's so many, there's so many nosy neighbor tropes and and. 
trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Even the one in uh in Bewitched, she's always trying to figure out what the hell's going on in the house. It's uh, perfect strangers. He wants Vision to be bulky. <laughs> I was gonna say family matters because I want um Tony Stark to make an appearance and he plays Steve Urkel. There no, we go. He made vision and his weapons went on top of Wanda's house. <laughs> 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 all right so we're at that hour guys so um go i want you guys to plug each and everything that you guys are doing we'll start um from my left to right so um kip we'll start with you plug away brother uh my twitter and instagram is at francis kip stvns like it's displayed my facebook is at francis kip stevens uh for all your pro wrestling needs come check me out i travel the world in my underwear Sometimes on national TV. If COVID lets up, I'll probably be in more towns. But until then, I'll just have shows being canceled on me and being upset about that. Jay? So you can find me, Jay Hewer, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, right now, I'm working on a couple of Kickstarters for upcoming comics. Hopefully, hopefully some local shows out here on Long Island, New York will kick back up. You can catch me usually with Kip over there at a table and at these events. Uh, but check out my website, jasonhewer.com, and uh, get in touch. Let me know what you think about my books. And Teddy Agu. Let's go, brother. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at teddylong87. Um, and I'm not doing too much right now, but I am working on getting a, um, a crowdfunding thing going because I'm planning to, um, to donate my hair to charity because, as you can see, it's getting a little unruly, cool. and why? Uh, no, I'm not going to do locks of love. I hear bad things about them, but oh, um, kind of looking. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm looking at things for kids right now, but also get um, maybe doing a little crowd sharing for uh, crowdfunding for uh, for a little added uh, um, uh, donation to them. So I think it's a good cause, and nice. I'll let you know. I'll uh, give you updates on how that's uh, going. Oh, yeah, and uh, the, the whole idea is that I'm going to do a little cosplay for promos to to get it go, to um, to get spark interest in it, too. Cool. I think I think Pete is trying, because Pete is the resident booker here, and I think he's trying to book everyone for a tag match. <laughs> we'll leave it to Pete. <laughs> I am going to put myself over right now. Teddy, I will carry you to the top, the top of my back. I am going to be the silver back of this team. I got you covered. You cut the promos. I'll do all the work. <laughs> He's going to get something. So, guys, I want to let you guys know. Um, I want to thank everyone for coming. Um, who? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me tell you. You and me, we're going to need the mega powers. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you what. We're going to climb to the top of that mountain, and we're going to rule all that we can see. Dig it. <laughs> the terrible power too sweet to be sour, funky <laughs> like a monkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As everybody who's at this point watching the episode, you got to follow these guys, Jay, Kit. Kip and Teddy, they do some awesome stuff. Um, and yes, we Pete wants to see Evil Kip. Um, <laughs> but um, guys, you couldn't handle Evil Kip. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go to one of your shows, bro. I can't wait till they, they come back, man.
Oh, like I said, also too, guys, don't forget to check out the D&D podcast every Saturday, the Medusa's Cascade. I play an asshole named Kyver. Tony plays an awesome paladin who's out there for justice named Galahad. Trust me, it's the asshole show, so we, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> and you catch us here every Tuesday. Um, This Friday, new episode comes out featuring Star Ryu. We get to um, talk to Miriam Yu about her art, Twitch, and everything. So this has been another awesome episode of Nerds Around. Um, Again, guys, peace and love, happiness, and we are out.